0: Hey there, welcome to the Theology of podcast. I'm Benjamin. And I'm Riker. And we're two college students who love studying scripture and having meaningful biblical conversations.
1: When we think about theology, most of our thoughts probably stay within the four walls of the church. But in doing so, we're really limiting our understanding of God's infinite nature.
0: And so each episode, we'll be tackling an everyday secular seeming topic and discussing what the faith has to say about it, both conceptually and practically
1: so thanks so much for joining us make sure to buckle up keep your hands and feet inside the proverbial vehicle at all times and enjoy the ride let's go welcome back to the theology of we are super super excited about today because we get to introduce to you guys one of our guests, he is an author, a pastor, a speaker, and we're just so thankful to have him on So Mark Buchanan, thank you for being on the podcast with us.
2: Riker, it's such a pleasure, and thank you, Benjamin, as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to be talking about the theology of walking, which you might be wondering what that exactly means, but I think by the end of this conversation, you'll see just the depth that there is both in scripture and just in our own lives where walking is really significant to who we are as humans. So Pastor Mark, for those who don't know you uh, and aren't familiar with you, what's your kind of short biography of yourself?
2: Yeah, thanks so much, Riker. First of all, I, I haven't been a pastor for eight years, so I often think of myself in the role of a pastor. I pastored for 24 hmm. and for the last date, I've been a professor and I, I suppose once a pastor, always a pastor. And I do know that in my professorial role, I, I very much take a, a, a view of my role and my students as I, I'm tending to their heart formation, their, their, their love for God. And so my story is I, I was a, a little pagan until I was in my early 20s and then a radical conversion through reading scripture. Uh, I'd never met anyone like Jesus. I mean, you, you have no idea if you haven't grown up in a, in a, in a you know, Christian home and you're in your 20s and you're living wild and you come across a person of Christ and say the gospel of Mark, it starts to blow up every category you ever had. And that's what happened to me. I had no, I no prior, <laughs> I had hmm. no preparation for meeting Jesus as I met him in the gospels. Hmm. So I had a radical conversion. I read around there and met my wife and she had a radical conversion. And we were, uh, we'd had no idea what we we're going to do with our life other than it was going to serve, we would serve God in some way. But the idea that I'd be a pastor, well, that seemed patently ridiculous because I hadn't cracked a Bible until I was nearly 20. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) um, And, you know, theology, I hardly knew how to spell that. And so the idea that I would somehow stand behind a pulpit and say, you know, thus saith the Lord seemed, I I didn't even consider it. But it turned out the the Lord did in about eight years after I became a Christ follower, a church phoned up out of the blue and said, would you come and be our Associate pastor, which meant that they—it was really a youth pastor position—but they they wanted to throw a whole bunch of other stuff at me, so they called it associate. And I was—I had no training, I had no preparation, um, but I i did love the Word of God. I, as I say, I came to faith through that, and I'd soaked in it by that point. I'd gone—I think I'd read to rags, maybe two or three Bibles at that point. Like they—they they were falling apart. I'd read them so much. And so uh, I I get into this with a sense that, you know, maybe I'll survive in this role for a year or two. And I ended up 24 years of pastoral ministry. And when I was quite settled in that, this opportunity to come become a professor emerged. And throughout all of that time of being a, a pastor, I was trained as a writer. And so I was writing and publishing and partly the attraction to go into the academy was twofold. One is I really wanted to influence guys like you, uh, your age, your generation. I really thought I could, you know, increase my impact or influence if if uh, I took what I knew at that point and, and poured into young men and young women who had some sense of call to gospel ministry. So that was one thing. But the other thing is I... I it was very hard to be a writer speaker and a pastor pastor demands uh, attention and 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 a presence like few jobs on earth and i less and less was i think effective as a pastor because i was flying around the country and trying to write books and stuff so the academic world i don't <laughs> i love being I mean I really love my job, but they really don't demand nearly as much in terms of your presence you, you, you should be you know half coherent when you step into a classroom, but beyond that there there's not really you know where's Buchanan that doesn't happen so anyhow, it suited the season of life better so that's uh, that's a big you said short, but that's a long
1: hmm.
2: sort of uh, introduction to the this, this very checkered history I have
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Hmm.
1: Yeah, praise God, that's so cool to hear how the Lord you know stepped into your life and took you on a detour. And yeah, I first heard about you through your book Your God is Too Safe uh, because I was reading it for one of my classes and just really appreciated the way that you take you know Bible stories and show them in a light that really helps you to rethink what's going on there. And also tell stories that also capture that part of the imagination. So,
2: Riker, that's a, a, a huge compliment. Thank you. I mean, my my background again is in writing, and and my training uh, is in writing. But also, my academic training prior to becoming a pastor was literature. I, I wrote my master's thesis on a couple American novelists, so I knew story. I knew how the dynamics of literature. And also, I'm coming to scripture, as I say, in my 20s, without any previous experience reading scripture or growing up in a church or hearing sermons. So I combine this kind of uh, kind of fresh wonder uh, at reading scripture. It's it's revelatory in the most fundamental sense, where I have never heard or seen this stuff before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't grow up, you know, with Dave and Goliath stories and all of that. We little men climbing me sycamore trees or anything I'm encountering the living God and his Son Christ through the word and it's shocking it's up it's it's subversive it's reordering i'm I'm seeing everything sexuality money community marriage in a, a completely new light and so so I think part of my, you know, what you might pick up on my books is I'm coming at scripture wonderstruck and um, completely captivated by these beautiful, this, this portrait of the living God. And then my background in literature and writing says let's a story needs a story. <laughs> you know, like, like, why would I take a story rich uh, gospel that's told to us, you know, in, in Jesus did this, Jesus, did that, and then Jesus told a story, <laughs> why would I do that? And, and then try to reduce it to something other than uh, another good story. So mm-hmm. I think that's just a reflection of my, my, my own formation. And I appreciate you noticing that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really, really cool. So as we step into this episode, no pun intended, uh, we have to ask ourselves the question that we always ask, you know, what is this topic? Uh, what does it mean? And then we can dive deeper. Uh, so Mark, why walking? Why is this something that has captured your heart recently, something that's captured your heart enough to write a book about it? What kind of sparked yeah. that for you?
2: First of all, you said no pun intended when you used the phrase step into it. But if you examine our language, we use walking language all the time. And, and, and that's very evident in scripture, that the, one of the primary ways of describing a life in faith, a life in knowing truth, a life of being with God is walking. And I think it's both metaphoric, but it's also it, it's describing a reality. The, the scriptures were written by and about people who walked. Partly, they had not many other means of transportation. But we have to wonder, and that's what I openly do in my book, what happened when they walked? Like, was the walking beside the point? The fact that it takes Jonah three days or whatever to walk back and forth across Nineveh, that's a big city, and then a walk from the beach to the town itself. What goes on in the walking? We're not often told, sometimes we are, but we 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 all know that when we're sorting a thing out, um, if you just got really difficult news or you're 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 stuck in a trying to write a paper or something, one of the cures that we intuitively go to is I got to go for a walk, I, and we often say I got to get some fresh air or something. But neurologically, we know that something happens. In us, when we actually walk, when we engage those muscles, when we breathe air, especially if there's nature around, there's stuff happening there that's having an effect on us. Uh, We see things in a different way than if we're sitting or in a car or whatever. So, why walking? I mean, I love the title of your podcast, The Theology of, because in one sense, all theology, all life is theology. Um, You know, we're always. I think to be, or I've heard it said, and you probably have too. It's not whether we're going to be theologians or not; it's just whether we're going to be good ones or not. And there's a sense where everything uh, that we're doing demands some kind of theological reflection. Now, I think it also demands some kind of heart response. So. If we just become yeah. theologians, we'll we'll become, you know, stuffed shirts and talking heads and <laughs> little hip, you know, little Pharisees or whatever. <laughs> but uh so, so it always moves toward encounter, worship, being a better human, whatever. But I I love to think about things theologically. And the idea that walking is more than just exercise or a form of getting from this place to that place intrigues me profoundly all the more so because this language is thick in Scripture. And again, not simply figuratively, but I, I think that it's um, describing the way people were working out identity and faith. They were going for walks. <laughs> so A lot of it necessitated, but stuff happens when you walk.
0: Yeah. I, I also think it's like metaphorically we use it quite often, like we're in a, a- Journey or a walk of our Christian faith, and our mm-hmm. like, yeah, people use that as you know, it's a season of our life. It's you know, just the walk that we're in right now, kind of thing. I've I've heard that as well,
2: ben- Benjamin. is soaked through. I mean, there's lots of language that we use now, mostly figuratively or metaphorically, that sort of pops up uh, in in just standard phrases, cliches, idioms, sure. or whatnot. But walking is one of the primary ones, and once you tune into it you hear it everywhere and it comes inescapable. We say things like, let's step, step into this, or like, as you say, uh, I'm on a journey. And normally we mean, you know, it's in our head or whatever, but you know, Paul says I'm on a journey. (laughs) He's actually going from Troas to some, you know, some (laughs) place. Right.
0: (laughs) He's got a literal one. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great place for us to jump into sort of, uh, where we see walking in in scripture um cuz there is a lot both literally and figuratively as we just mentioned um and I think yeah is there anything that you would say really stands out to you in scripture um and, and stuff that you've used in your book to to reference walking and you've already brought up a few examples but
2: yeah um I'm I'm struck particularly at the book of Genesis so, so it begins with you know, before there's a fall, before, where well, there's a beautiful mm-hmm. creation, well, um, everything is as it ought to be. God comes and walks in the cool of the day with the human. And of course, is alarmed that day he shows up and the human's not to be found hiding. But that mm-hmm. phrase, uh, in the cool of the day, God came walking in the garden implicitly, you know, to invite the man for a walk. This is stunning to me. Uh, it's stunning at a whole bunch of levels. If you read that text in light of the dominant, you know, creation myths of its day, the idea of a God that would come down and walk with you is, you know, so beyond the pale. But, um, but I mean, that, that whole thing that at the, at the very foundation of this intimacy with God is walking with him ought to give us tremendous pause and then at least alert us, watch out for this. So then we start picking it up all through Genesis. Enoch walked with God. Noah walked with God. Uh, Abraham is this great one who's called out of or of Chaldees to a place I will show you. So he has to go for a walk um, and and on and on and on. I mean, all the journeys in in that, some of them having this, overt spiritual connotation others just you got to cover a physical distance so we start to track that so lots of that i think famously micah 6 8 what does the lord require of you to do justly love mercy and to walk humbly with your god so almost Ah. back to that garden experience Hmm. and i would say how do you become a person of justice or a person of mercy it's through going for a walk yeah. But the other key example is, is uh, the example of Jesus. So he shows up in Galilee and then moves on down to Jerusalem eventually, all on foot. Um, the only Great. time, uh, the only uh, uh, exception to that is occasionally he's in a boat, but even that strange story where one time he chooses to walk across the water <laughs> rather than <laughs> jump in the boat with those guys. He's probably tired of them, but... Um, <laughs> And then and then the one time he runs, uh, you know, comes in Jerusalem and a fool. Hmm. Uh but other than that, every other picture we have of Jesus is a foot. And not only a foot, but working things out with his disciples on the way. So often the little you know, quibbles, squabbles, tiffs would happen, and he would sort of say, Hey guys, what are you talking about? Hmm. Uh, but the other thing is if you track the itinerary. And Mark is particularly concerned about, you know, he went here, he went there. Uh, The other gospels less so. But Mark's kind of giving a rough itinerary. And it makes no sense. It makes no sense if walking is about getting, you know, finding the shortest route to the next place you're going. Because he zigzags and bebops all over the place. And so if you track it out, it's kind of like, let's find the longest, most roundabout way to get to the next place and we'll head there, right? <laughs> um, and, and so, uh, I, I think that implicitly something's going on in the example of Jesus that saying, if, if you can find the long route, if you can walk the long route, that's probably going to do, it's going to, it's probably going to do more good in terms of working out at least discipleship issues with, yeah. with with the guys you you got around you. I've certainly applied this in my own life, and I've uh, one of the things I do if somebody asks me to mentor them is I see if it's possible we can build a mentorship around walking. Yeah. Um, so it's just extraordinary what'll what'll unfold if you go for like a you know a two or three mile walk with somebody that isn't probably going to happen if you're just sitting there, you know, over coffee. Not that that's not good. I just think the walking s- stuff literally comes up. <laughs> oh sure,
0: no, definitely. And I I always think relationally, uh, and I think we're gonna dive into this a little bit later relationally. Like that's always a a big metaphor that we also use is you're walking alongside this person as they encounter difficulties, hardship, whatever.
2: Yeah. And so what if we, uh, to some extent, I'm not I'm not advocating walking as somehow a cure-all or an end-all or any of that. I'm just saying, take a look and and ask yourself, at the very least, I mean, more and more research coming out the saying all of this gym stuff and, you know, and, and running stuff, actually, if you just get out for a vigorous walk for 30, 40 minutes a day, that pretty much does everything you need and doesn't have some of the you know, the, the, deleterious or harmful effects that you might get from more impact, um, related s- sports and forms of exercise. Hmm. And, um, so, I mean, and, and especially, you know, in the age of COVID, the research is bumped because that's become one walking, one of the primary ways of, of exercise, but coming back to, uh, yeah, this metaphor walking alongside somebody, uh, what if there is a, if it if you are able to physically and if you're able to in terms of physical proximity to somebody and you know you're not walking in dangerous inner cities or something where you're gonna you're putting yourself at great grave risk, why not make that part of how you you actually disciple people and mentor people?
1: right, yeah, and it's super interesting that you mentioned all these passages that we get in the Old Testament because we see that some of the most foundational parts of scripture itself is about walks, right? Exodus, walking (laughs) through the Red Sea. You have um, Abraham, you know, walking from his homeland to this new promised land Um, and Jesus, his ministry, you know, most of the time based around walking. And so it really goes to show that, like you said at the beginning, the things that we do in our life have theological ramifications and something that we might blow off as just you know something mundane and simple can actually you know be used to the glory of god and and can make a real difference because you know one one quick example with the israelites in jesus's day they would walk around samaria and that was a theological statement that they were making by the path that they took, and so I wonder if there's not, you know, an equivalent for us today, as far as how are the places that we're putting our feet reflecting the way that we're worshiping God in our hearts?
2: I think about often that passage, uh, you know, people going around Samaria, and and John four, Jesus had to go through Samaria. And it's one of the instances we have where Jesus seems to be taking a shortcut because you could sort of zip through the middle of Samaria or add another half day to day and go around. However, what's interesting is we find out in the text Jesus is in no hurry because after this explosion of interest in him through the counter with the woman at the well, Jesus hangs out another three days with these people. Hmm. So the, the had to go through Samaria isn't about you know finding a shortest route it has to do with some divine necessity some divine imperative but you're absolutely right this sense that there's theological stuff all at work around that like so i even think you know to what are the places we're avoiding <laughs> um you know i mentioned inner city a moment ago and and really i remember actually doing a years ago one of my books came out and i did a radio show and in between they'd have commercial breaks and the commercial break that came on as i was waiting to get back on the the talk show was uh some ministry in some inner city um, in, in somewhere down in the states and but you don't have to go to the inner city uh, you can just send your money and we'll go there for you and i think man, you know what, it'd probably be good for a lot of us to go into places that we normally wouldn't go. Obviously, we'll want to be wise about that and probably go with somebody who knows what they're about and not be rubes walking around. <laughs> but, uh, but but, I think, you know, that, that sort of walking in uh, rather than around is something that has both implications around our, you know, our physical presence in any place. My wife and I are deeply involved with native communities. We, we in Canada, we, uh, hmm. we we usually say indigenous communities, but uh, we're very involved with native communities. And it's interesting that there's two communities particularly that we're quite engaged with. And one of them uh, we go to church on. And if you ask people around our city, uh, have you ever been to the, that, either of those communities, never, never have most people ever been in them because of all sorts of attitudes, stereotypes. So the whole people going around (laughs) Samaria still very much with us. And, and even as I mentioned that it's so interesting that one of the key things our native friends say, if you're talking about something that needs further reflection, They'll say, you know, I'll have to walk with that. <laughs> and they actually literally mean they'll go for a walk. One of the elders in the church that we go, like native elders, almost every morning he posts a picture of the trail that he walks on. And uh, and and he's literally walking stuff out. You know, maybe worth adding at this time, point, the book that I wrote on Walking, God Walk is, in some ways, a, the, the motivation for writing that book is is a frustration I had that virtually every other major faith tradition or religious tradition in the world has a corresponding physical discipline. So most famously, we think of the, the connection between Hinduism and yoga. Uh, just as an aside, yoga actually predates Hinduism, but but yoga becomes very much the practice of of most devout Hindus in terms of mm-hmm. uh, somehow incarnating or embodying their de- their devotion. Mm-hmm. And we can think of other Tai Chi and Karate all have a, attachments to some kind of philosophy or or belief system. And it was really frustrating to me that Christianity didn't have that, that where the, the, you know, the religion of the God becoming <laughs> flesh, the incarnational hmm. faith, uh, and very much we have the sense, unless you, to use that phrase, talk, you know, walk the talk, unless you make it real, you make it concrete, you embody it, there's, there's, there's something unfinished about our faith. And yet we didn't have anything... That was the equivalent of yoga in Hinduism, and then it struck me: we we do we we already ha- we already always have it's walking, but because I think the biblical writers were walkers and they were working out theology, identity, the relationship with others through walking, they they didn't put it in there. They they the hints all through as we've already teased out, but they didn't sort of write: okay, now here's the great practice of of the Christian faith. Uh, you know, if you're trying to figure out a relationship or you're trying to figure out something theologically, go for a walk. They never say that. I think they just did that. And, uh, as you probably know in North America, Western culture, particularly in North America, especially there's a crisis, uh, within the whole culture, but it's very present in the church of, of, uh, Obesity of health issues related to lack of exercise, sedentaryism, uh, overeating, blah blah, blah, bad, bad diet. Uh, just the simple act of, again, a thirty or forty minute walk a day is going to not only deal with a lot of those physical issues, but it's it's going to do a whole lot more. So the the measurable decrease in, say, depression. In anxiety, etc., through just the simple act of walking. These are demonstrable. These are study after study uh, weighing in on this and showing how. Well, in my book, I quote a Harvard doctor who said, "If we could invent a pill that uh, lowered depression, lowered anxiety, lowered heart disease, uh, helped you lose and keep off weight, uh, um, helped you manage." Uh, your appetite and just this long list of all these benefits. If we could invent a pill that did that, it would fly off the shelf. We have that pill. It's called a 30 minute walk a day and yet very few people are taking it. (laughs)
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah, no, that is, that is very true. And I love it as well. Uh, A colleague of mine that I work with, um, it's something I look forward to in my days. We always take a lap around the park that we work right next to, um, and it you know, it, it gets the fresh air, it gets the, the sun shine on, on your skin and you can sometimes encounter other people on the walk. And that's just, yeah, that's always been one of the big highlights of my day is getting to, to have time to occasionally think to myself if it's just me on the walk for that day or, um, have time with, with a friend, with a, with a colleague, with a partner to, to work things out with them. So I, I think that's so funny that, yeah, there are so many more benefits that are,
1: very much under the surface that we don't recognize. Yeah. And one of those that you mentioned that I think kind of goes under the radar for a lot of us is the way that walking can help us think through things. And as you were talking about that, it came to mind, the apostle Paul, most of the theology that he was coming up with, is probably on the road as he was you know, journeying from place to place which just shows us that this act of walking and slowing ourselves down and being in the moment can be used by God to help the gears start turning in the way that they're designed to turn.
2: Right, Kurt and Benjamin, what you've said is so true and true in our experience and true in the research around walking. So getting the gears turning, uh, working out things. I mean, one of the things that happens when we walk is we actually kind of experience life at its true scale. So when you're in a, in one sense, in a plane, you're not seeing, you know, life at its true scale. You're 30,000 feet in the air or whatever. And people, you know, you don't see people. You hardly see anything in detail. You see this big, you know, colors down below, you know, big river, river bends. And and it's one sense, a perspective that we don't normally get. And so it's valuable. So sort of figuring out, you know, what this big world's like, but there's something about being a, at the, on your feet and be walking at, as fat, you know, at the, at the pace, your legs can carry you, you yourself can carry yourself that you experience life at its, at its true scale, or at least you see things and notice things and experience things very differently than if you're you're you know in a car on a motorbike, even on a pedal bike. So one of the the th- things that's fascinating to me is uh, a person who's driving in and out of their neighborhood for three years, let's say, and they never walk their neighborhood. That person is routinely missing things that are uh, hidden in plain sight they walk that neighborhood once and they're astonished because they never noticed a whole bunch of stuff that they've driven by how many, how many times they've come in and out over the three years. And it's, it's, it's not just the pace. It's almost the scale. There's a sense where we're at the true scale and we're kind of seeing the world the way it is. And so, so there's something about that that's both, it, 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 it stirs both a, a sense of amazement, wonder, curiosity about the world, but it also, I think is built into it as a, a humbling. Um, I, I'm a powerful person in a car. A car is, uh, you know, a t- a whatever half a ton of metal and, and and fuel and plastic and all of this sort of stuff. And uh, th- the biggest guy you've ever come up against, you could just sort of, your clock with just, you know, flicking his fingers at you, you're in a car, you're way more powerful than that person. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a major kind of piece of, of extension of our, of our, of our strength and our powers and all of that sort of stuff. I'm just mean when I'm walking. <laughs> so there's something very humbling about, about, you know, the, the nakedness of it, the vulnerability of it. Uh but also I'm I'm saying there's something about I'm gonna discover more of even my neighborhood by simply walking through it rather than driving through it.
1: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm curious as you think about your own life and the way it's converged with walking, what are some of the most impactful walks that you've ever taken?
2: Yeah, interestingly, I've never done really, really huge walks. So uh, there's a part of me that wants to one day do, you know, the Santiago El Camino or whatever. You know, from you know France down to Spain. I've 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 walked parts of the Pembrokeshire coast in Wales, and I would like to do a longer stretch of that. But probably the most I've walked in a single go is about uh, maybe twenty miles. So it's, it's not like I'm a great heroic walker, but I think about, uh, well, I, a story I tell in my book, God Walk, is a walk I took, uh, I think, about 10 or so years ago. She was longer than that, about 15 years ago on the Oregon coast, uh, where I was very, very angry with my son about something. And I walked, I don't know, probably it was about a four or five mile walk down uh, along the beach of the Oregon coast and i uh, i had this anger that was scary to my wife and scary to me frankly about something my son had done and went on this walk and the i describe it almost as an exorcism like the 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 the, the kind of the sense of god meeting me on that walk and freeing me of this anger this fierce anger um, and 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 breaking me and healing me and restoring me and bringing me back in a a completely different state of mind and heart that was thankfully uh, when i met with my son i was angry at about something and and he wasn't around which is a good thing and my wife wisely sent me for this walk that just I walked until I was healed, basically. <laughs> and when I came back, the, the meeting with my son over something he had done was so sweet. It became one of my favorite memories of putting my arm around him and kind of sort of looking at something he had done and saying, we're going to get through this and etc. So that's a, a, a walk that stands out extraordinarily for me in, in terms of um, God meeting me in this place where I did not know what to do with myself. And I honestly think if I had just sat around and stood, it probably would have got worse or not, uh, not, uh, you know, noticeably better. It was something about the walk-in was a healing. Should also mention, I live currently uh, right right alongside the uh, the Rocky Mountains, as, as you do, Benjamin. Just a different yeah. por- portion of the You're in, in northern Colorado. I'm in southern British Columbia, mm. and so I'm a, about an hour's drive to an iconic city or town that many of your listeners will have heard of, called Banff. And then just a little further down from another iconic spot called Lake Louise. And uh, even more, I'm close for about 40 minutes from something I think is just as iconic, but nobody knows it unless you live around here called Canmore. And I am continually, you know, my wife and I will just, because it's so close, we'll, after church, jump in the car and head out to one of those places. And the whole purpose is to walk. And there is... uh, um, (laughs) I mean, you're in deep wilderness in most of those places. There is grizzly bears, you know, the size of houses that they're constantly warning you about. I have not yet come face to face with one, (laughs) but, um, but, you know, they're all around and cougars and all of those sorts of things. And, uh, but there's something about going into those places and we'll just pick, you know, we have uh, an app, which you probably know about all trails and uh, we'll mm-hmm. just pick a, a, you know, we want to go on a, a, say a, say, an eight mile walk, you know, walks under 10 miles and, and a bunch will come up. And uh, they, you know, that app tells you, you know, if you're, if you're in danger of falling off a cliff or whatever, <laughs> or it's, you know, fairly easy in the game. So we'll pick up something that's fair to mid lane. you know, we're not imperiling ourselves, but we're, we're getting a bit of a workout. And, uh, and we'll find some new place and often we'll summit. So we'll, we'll work through the woods and come out and actually come to some mountain peak and then the panoramic views all around. And, oh my goodness, I, I think I'm just a, I think I'm a better God lover. I think I'm a better human. I think I'm a better husband, dad, friend and everything (laughs) because I do that. And the weird thing is my wife and I feel very intimate in those walks, but we hardly ever talk because you're, you're, you're agog, you know, you're gasping at the beauty of things and you don't want to sort of distract yourself by too much dialogue. But man, I, I I don't know. I, I sometimes think if I didn't have opportunities to immerse myself in God's creation in that way, I would live in my head too much and that, that that's just not really good, you know, for me or the people around me.
0: (laughs) I think that is a great tie in to, well, and you know, living in Colorado, um, for, for both Riker and I, like that is just a, that's always been a huge thing is hiking and getting outside and, and experiencing just the beauty, um, as there is all over the earth, um, and so it's, it's really cool to have the mountains, especially for us. But I think that's a great place that we can lead this conversation is, is how through, through these walks, um, and just our future view of walking and, and how we can maybe change our way of, uh, our view of walking from, from here on out. Like how can we incorporate our, our faith into that after this conversation?
2: Benjamin, that's, a, that's, uh, I think that's the question um so what <laughs> hmm. so what uh, i would come back to what we've talked about that it's it's more than likely i don't i don't think we even speculated and i think we can say with fairly high degree of confidence that the people that we read about in scripture were working out a whole bunch of stuff hmm. as they walked And whether they, I don't think they said, let's go for a walk and figure this out. I think they just said, let's go to the next town, Um, but stuff was happening. And so I would say, let's take a, let's take a a kind of a a cue from that and start to uh, work into, uh, or, or, or use our walking as a form of faith formation. Uh, so, for instance, I, I virtually every day take a, a walk of usually a minimum a mile, but usually more than that. And sometimes I go to a, a drive and go to a, some cool place and often it's just around my neighborhood. But I do intentionally several things on that walk. Uh, one of them is I just try to walk at a pace that I do get some exercise and, and you know, the benefits physically are, are, uh, accrue to me. But the, the other thing is, is I, I often will go out and say, what am I trying to f- sort out? I've got some relational issue, some personal issues, some academic issues, some, I have to figure this one out. And I'm not, I, I know I'll get some headway. I, I know if I go for a two mile walk, I'll come back and something will have, have sort of some coins will have fallen or whatever. If I walk with a person, I, I, I have, and I'm not talking some kind of mechanical purpose or intention. I'm just like, I want to get to know Peter as a guy I walk with a lot. I want to know some aspect of Peter uh, that I'm, I, I'm, he's never talked to about yet. And we're at a level of our friendship that I can say, Peter, let's talk about thus and such. And I really would love to explore that with you. Uh, if I've walking with my wife and we're trying to search something out or, you know, between us. So we've had maybe a little, little kerfuffle, right? Um, we'll use the walking time to try to process that. And for whatever reason, and I think it's some of these uh, benefits of walking that are happening, whether we try to make them happen or not, for whatever reason, the likelihood of my wife and I not Escalating a conflict while we're walking is greater than if we're sitting across from one another trying to resolve something. Hmm. Uh, somehow we, we've just got more patience, grace, uh, wisdom. I don't know, but I've watched that over and over again. It's way better for us to sort of walk out something and talk it out in, in that in that context, and just sort of let's sit across from the kitchen table and try to figure this deal out. Uh, so I would just say, you know to make it again simple, why don't you take some aspect of your relationship or your faith that you're you're really wanting to grow in and incorporate that into your walking. That you made walking part of your praying or walking part of your um, re- meditation on God. Um, you made walking part of a building of a friendship or a relationship. I would, and again, don't, you know, make it so restrictive or regimented that it becomes weird, but it's really kind of natural, actually. (laughs) Uh, You talked about your friend that you walked with, you know, uh, you know, around, around the park, it's very natural way to, to build something.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think another application. At least for myself, speaking to myself, a really easy application we can take away from all of this is to walk, right? Take, take that first step. Um, because for me, there's you know the busyness of life. And yes, I'll go outside and run and do these other things. But to really slow down and take things at that slower pace is you know, something that I'm not used to. And so that that's probably the easiest application we've ever had in one of these episodes.
2: There (laughs) you go. Walk.
1: Yeah,
0: just, just walk. And I think that what you were just talking about with your wife and the relationships that we've been building, um, and, and the things that we've been talking about this entire conversation, I think it really all boils down to the love, um, and, and the walk that God is doing with us. And, um, I'd love to end with this quote, um, which is the kind of the opening quote to your book, God Walk, Um, and it's it's by Kosuke Koyama, and he, he writes a book called Three Mile an Hour God, and it says, God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It is an inner speed. It is a spiritual speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are all accustomed to. It is slow, yet it is lord over all other speeds, since it is the speed of love. And So I think that that is just a—it's a beautiful representation of what this entire conversation has been, um, and how even as the simple act of walking, what we were all born to do, um, and we will all do every single day, it uh, it brings the bigger picture into play of of God's great love for us.
1: Well said. Yeah. Amen.
2: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Theology of. Loving it if you check out my website, markbuchanan.net. And I have my various resources there and some information about ministries I'm involved with and where I teach at Ambrose. Riker and benjamin and i were talking today about my book god walk that came out this past summer and there's also information about my novel david rise and other books as well appreciate you checking out this episode and other conversations if you need more information from benjamin and Riker, you can get that at the theology of at outlook.com And thank you again for tuning in and look forward to seeing you in the next episode.